This just in, fake news is not new. That's right. Fake news is not new. You know, oftentimes we can begin to think and behave like the issues that we encounter in the world today are issues that are new to humanity, issues that are new to mankind. And so we, we say to ourselves, well, you know, in the good old days, people were, were men and women of integrity. They, they only said it like it was. Like, really? <laughs> is that true? Or is that something we only wish were true? You know, this morning we're, we're continuing on with week three of our series entitled Captive. It's a, a series that, that looks at the intersection between our own captivity as a people here called the shelter in place here in our homes and, and God's people who were exiled from their home in Judah, from their home in Jerusalem, and were called to live captive in the, the land of their conquerors, in the land of Babylon. You know, there's a lot that we can learn about how to live as captive people just by looking at how they lived as captive people. In, in week one of our series, we, we looked at what happens when a tragedy like COVID-19 can strike in an instant. It can be disorienting. It can be tragic for a community in a lot of the same ways that an enemy invading a city or invading a land can be disorienting and tragic to the people who live there. In week two of our series, we looked at the consequences of unheeded warnings. Jerusalem didn't fall to Babylon without warning. They, they had lots of warnings. They had lots of opportunities to, to turn their behavior around. They just didn't listen. And so when we fail to listen to warnings, oftentimes we're going to get zapped. We're going to get bit. And so God's people didn't listen. And, and many of us right now aren't listening. And so here in week three, we're, we're confronted with another similarity, a similarity that emerges between our captive reality and, and their captive reality. And it's this, that when tragedy strikes, opposing voices emerge. I'm going to say that again. When tragedy strikes, opposing voices emerge. What do I mean? I mean this, that in much the same way that, that Isaac Newton once taught us that for every action, there's an equal and an opposite reaction. Well, in, in every tragedy, there will be views and opposing views. There will be truths and counter-truths. In other words, some people will say true things and other people will say false things. Like we know this reality, we live that reality. Nothing about that surprises us. But what might surprise you is that this is nothing new. Fake news is not new. It's as old as time. I mean, think about it. the entire fall of humanity in the Bible began with fake news. It began with a lie. The, the serpent talks to Adam and Eve and he says, you will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Like nearly all fake news, that wasn't true. That was a half-truth. And it was a half-truth that led to their demise. And so I want to set the stage and the timeline for today's message. In today's message, 
Jeremiah has become a hated prophet. The, the people want to kill him. They want to kill him because of the words that he's spoken about the fall of their nation of Judah, about the fall of their holy city, Jerusalem. And so in Jeremiah 26, just as they're about to do so, just as they're about to kill him, the, the elders of the land step in and they intervene. And they remind those who want to kill Jeremiah that this isn't the first time a prophet has said something like this. And so they speak up and they say, hey, we're about to bring a terrible disaster on ourselves. Terrible. And so in Jeremiah 27, the next chapter, the prophet of God begins to speak. And, and, and this is sometime later. But this time his message isn't just that Babylon will conquer God's people. This time he takes it a step further. God has Jeremiah put a yoke on his neck. It's, it's something that cattle or oxen would wear when they're plowing a field. It's, it's literally a symbol of work and oppression. And he tells the people that this yoke that he's wearing is symbolic of them being a people who are oppressed by Babylon. And so as Jeremiah approaches the king, he approaches the king of Judah, King Zedekiah. This is what he says. He says, bow or, or bow your neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Serve him and his people and you will live. Why will you and your people die by the sword, by famine, by plague, with which the Lord has threatened any nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? In other words, even though Babylon is the enemy to God's people, Babylon is also acting according to God's will. And God's will for them is not freedom. God's will for them is not victory. God's will for them is the yoke of oppression. God's people are being called to surrender their freedom, to submit to a foreign enemy, and to do so willingly. I mean, as, as Americans who, who cherish our freedom... I mean, we, we bristle at that, right? I mean, that, that probably sounds like, like sheer lunacy. And yet keep in mind, this is God's will. And he's promising that if they oppose Babylon in any way, they will die by sword, famine, and plague. But it's the very next verse that sets the stage for today's lesson. Jeremiah also says to that king, he says, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who say to you, You will not serve the king of Babylon, for they are prophesying lies to you. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. They are prophesying lies in my name. Therefore, I will banish you, and you will perish, both you and the prophets who prophesy to you. Guys, it's a warning. Don't listen to the false prophets. Don't listen to the fake news. But we've learned something in recent years about fake news, haven't we? We've learned how effective it really is. Like it's very, very effective at getting people to engage and, and stirring them up. The problem with fake news is that it, it's almost impossible to stop. 
There's a professor at Brown University named Steve Sloman. And he said that the struggle with combating fake news is, is really threefold. Number one, he says anyone can be a source of news now, which is something that hasn't always been true, but it is right now. Two, he said fact-checking information is basically impossible. There's just too much information out there. You can't possibly fact-check all of it. But number three is the one I really want you to pay attention to. And I'm quoting him verbatim here. He says, people have the freedom to tune into news sources that tell them what they want to hear. And we all like to hear news consistent with our beliefs. And it's that last part right there that is key to all of this, I think. People want to hear news that is consistent with what we like to hear, with what we want to be true. Frankly, it matters very little what truth actually is. In fact, real truth in reporting news today, frankly, doesn't work. Why? Because real truth doesn't get clicks. Real truth is almost never sensational. It always kind of tends toward boring. Uh, Case in point, there was a story that came out in 2008 with the headline, (laughs) Flip-Flops Linked to Cancer. I swear to you, I found this article. Flip-flops linked to cancer. Now, I wear flip-flops. Chances are you might wear flip-flops or something like it, sandals or whatever. Does that mean you and I are on a collision course with cancer? Well, no. Because when you read the article, you realize that the real substance is that uncovered feet means that there is more exposure to the sun, which can lead to skin cancer. But that headline doesn't get clicks because the real facts are boring and frankly, a little obvious. It's like saying bald heads might get cancer. And so here's what Sloman went on to say in his interview. He said, we know, we know that the primary determinant of whether people believe a message is whether or not they agree with it. Whether or not they agree with it. Think of all the things you see on social media. Click if you agree, like if you agree, share if you agree. And he says this, he says, moreover, opinion depends more on the beliefs of your community than it does on facts. And so if you agree with it or somehow want it to be true, well then for you, it becomes true. And so it comes as no surprise as we move into the the next chapter of Jeremiah, that fake news or false prophecy begins to rear its ugly head yet again, even as Jeremiah warned King Zedekiah to be on guard against it. And so right here in in a public place in front of of priests and, and the people of Jerusalem, a man named Hananiah approaches Jeremiah and he speaks these words to him in front of everyone. Hananiah says this, Jeremiah, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. And so Jeremiah looks at Hananiah. And even he, even Jeremiah admits that what Hananiah has to say sounds pretty good to him. He says, amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words that you have prophesied. But he's not quite done in talking. And so in verse seven, he says, 
Uh, nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his prediction comes true. Only if it comes true. In other words, Jeremiah says, you know, well, I like the sound of everything you're saying. It, it kind of runs opposite to what the prophets have been saying for many, many years. And so if you're going to say something like this, Hananiah, just know that the only way that you will be seen as a prophet is if it comes true. His, his words hearken back to what God had said many generations earlier. And, and through the prophet or through Moses in Deuteronomy 18, he says, a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. And in verse 21, he says, you may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Well, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or does not come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. He says the only way to know if a prophecy is true or false is to see whether it comes true. And so Hananiah listens to Jeremiah's warning. And what does he do next? He reaches over, he takes the wooden yoke off Jeremiah's neck, and he breaks it. And he says this, this is what the Lord says. In the same way, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. He doesn't change his tune. In fact, he, he doubles down on it. He goes all in. And Jeremiah goes away. Now, I want you to let me ask you something. Put yourself in the shoes of one of those residents of Jerusalem. Which of these two men would you want to believe? The one who says you'll be exiled in a strange land for 70 years or the one who says you'll be coming right back after two years? Like if someone said, hey, you're going to go to prison for 70 years or you're going to go to prison for two years, which of those two scenarios would you want to believe? I mean, I know who I'd want to believe. Even Jeremiah wants to believe Hananiah. But that doesn't make Hananiah's words true. And so, as you might imagine, God is aware He's listening. He knows what's been going on. And so he speaks up one more time to Jeremiah. And this time he says, I want you to go and tell Hananiah, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place, you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they will serve him. I will even give him control over the wild animals. And so as, as Jeremiah 
approached Hananiah one last time. He said, hey, listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you. And yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. And you'll never guess what happens next. But seven months later, Hananiah dies. You know, sometimes uh, we may be tempted to think that fake news really isn't a big deal. That lying really is no big deal at all. Why? Well, because everyone does it. Well, if, if Adam and Eve and Hananiah are any indication whatsoever, then false prophecy and fake news are a pretty big deal to God. Like lying is a pretty big deal to God. The question is, why do we fall for it? You know, Psychology Today asked that question in an article they wrote in November last year, 2019. And they provided seven answers, seven reasons why fake news gets our attention. Now, for the sake of time, I'm, I'm only going to address three of those. It's the last three of the seven, because the last three are the ones that I think really intersect the story of Hananiah the best. First is this, that emotions are targeted. Like people absolutely wanted to believe what Hananiah had to say. Even Jeremiah says, amen. May the Lord uh, do so. May the Lord do so. Hananiah stirred their emotions. He, he spoke a message that they desperately wanted to believe. And so they bought the lie. Guys, the enemy is always most powerful in deceiving us when he can engage our emotions. Second, psychology today calls it reiteration or the, the illusory truth effect. It's that the more you hear something, the more you tend to believe it. Like you've all heard the saying before, deny, deny, deny. It's a saying that, that preys on our desire to believe the things that we hear most often. It's like, oh, he, he wouldn't keep saying it if it wasn't true. Of course, we know that's not really the reality, but it's one of our main weapons for deceiving other people. And so what did Hananiah do after Jeremiah warned him not to lie? He repeated the lie. And third is social pressure that you are most likely to believe what the people closest to you also believe. This is why we have, I think, such stark geographical regions of political thought in our country. And so depending on what state or county or city you live in, you are most likely to align with whatever the prevailing thought is in your community. And so how do we see this play out in Hananiah's story? Jeremiah said, you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. And so by targeting their emotions and reiterating a new truth, Hananiah had managed to sway like an entire nation of people. And it was like the snowball effect that once it gains traction, the, the, the momentum will grow and it will carry that lie. Now, I, I recognize that news and prophecy are not really exactly the same thing, but they have more in common than you might think more in common than you might realize. Because when we think of prophecy, we think of something that's akin to, to fortune telling or future telling. But is that what prophecy actually is? Well, according to scripture, the answer kind of is no. You know, when the elders spoke up there 
and they spared Jeremiah's life in, in chapter 26 that we read at the beginning. It, it was done so on the grounds that the prophet Micah had spoken up many years before. But that time, God's people changed. And because they changed, they were spared. In other words, God relented based on what he saw in the people. And so what that reveals is this, that prophecy's function is more about reform and behavior change. A prophet's job is to speak truth on God's behalf. It's to to bring change to the way they are living before it's too late. And so often that will involve forecasting of what will happen if they don't. But forecasting is not what makes a prophet. Truth-telling is. And so you think of news, like news in its purest form is simply that. It's it's truth-telling of facts and information. And so in in the same way, we think of fake news and false prophecy Both of those things are going to share a lot in common with with real news and real prophecy. Both are lies. Both have ulterior motives. And both are self-seeking. And so the question that emerges is what do we do about it? How, How do we as God's people, how do we as captive people in 2020 respond to fake news? I would contend that we respond in much the same way that God called the people to respond to false prophecy 2,600 years ago when he put a yoke on the necks of his people and he placed them in captivity. You know, in Jeremiah 29, God begins to speak up this time directly to his exiled people. And this is what he says. He says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Guys, right there in four verses, God speaks and he he gives his people two things not to do and two things to do. And I'm going to kind of repurpose his commands a little bit so they apply more directly to our current situation where we are. So let's start with the do nots. First, he says, do not let people deceive you. Guys, there will always be people who stand a profit or who stand to gain from deceiving you, from deceiving us. Don't let them do it. Number two, do not listen to the words you encourage them to have. Think about that. Do not listen to the words that you encourage them to have. Lots of times the the, the reason that people have hot takes and secret insight and insider knowledge is because we reward them with clicks and views and eyeballs for producing that garbage. Our, Our behavior actually encourages the lies. And so if we stop listening to the lies, well, guess what happens? The lies stop. 
And then there's two things he tells us to do or told them to do. One is do put down roots in your captivity. Like it's, it's easy for us right now to be paralyzed by waiting for our old normal to return to us. We don't know if or when normal will happen. It's, it's not in our control. And so let's live the best and most faithful life that we can live in our captivity and find the simple joys in it right now. And number two, he says, do pray for peace and prosperity in the land. And I want you to notice this says nothing about protests, nothing about riots, nothing about angry words of dissatisfaction. The words that we should be saying should come in the form of prayer to God. Lift up your cries, lift up your heart to God. God only tells his people to pray, that's it. The rest is out of, out of their control. The rest is out of our control. So let's stop trying to control everything COVID related and start surrendering that, that illusion of control that we have to a really great big God. And even if we do all of that, the implied truth of this passage is a reminder that we should not expect instant gratification. You know, oftentimes the, the relief that we pray for will come, but it's not gonna be immediate. You know, we, people have been saying for a long time, patience is a virtue. Well, th- there's a famous verse that, that people love to share on social media. Basketball players love to put it on their shoes. And there's a good chance you know this verse really, really well. But it's a verse that we often misuse. And it, and it comes right here in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning in verse 11. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is a famous verse. I love this. It's a great verse. But it's important that we stop and we remember who the you is in this verse. Because you is not you, whoever you may be sitting on your couch right now. You is not me. You is about God's exiled people in Babylon. And it comes on the heels of verse 10, right before it, a promise of 70 years of captivity first. I love this verse as much as you do, but it does not have direct application for your life or mine. But here's what we can say. First, it is this, that God does have plans, even for us. But number two is this, his plans may or may not be to prosper us. That's his decision to make. He's God. We're not entitled to prosperity and we don't earn prosperity. It is given to us freely by an all-powerful God. Friends, we, we live in a world of fake news, just like Jeremiah lived in a world of false prophets. And as the people of God, we are called to put on truth and to cast off lies, to cast off falsehoods. Fake news is not going away. But as a people of God, we don't have to engage with it. In fact, we shouldn't engage with it, like at all. If it means that we're propagating it or we're helping share it. As God's people, we are called to a higher standard than that. We are called not to bear false witness. We are called not to lie. We are called not to character assassinate people. And so I want to give you four simple rules that I think can help you live by that, or that I hope will help you engage the falsehoods that we deal with in our world today. 
Number one, it's this, delay. Delay my response. Like take that extra bit of time not to respond. Often our, our biggest missteps as God's people come from being reactive rather than proactive. And so be willing to walk away, be willing to close your tab before you feel the immediate need to share or comment or otherwise engage the news that you just encountered. Walk away for a moment. Number two, survey. Survey their motive. Try to figure out why this article or video or whatever it was that was made or written in the first place is there. Is it trying to stir me emotionally? And if so, it's probably information that needs a much deeper inquiry. Number three, pray for peace. We can be so easily tempted to get wrapped up into to lies and into falsehoods because we so badly want them to be true. But as you stop and consider all the information that you've just taken in, take that extra step to pray first, to pray for peace, both internally in your heart and also to be a peacemaker that God called you to be as a Christian. Make sure that you are contributing to peace. And lastly, it's convey. Convey Jesus. In the midst of all the falsehood that we encounter, in the midst of all the lies that we encounter as Christians, we believe in one truth with a capital T. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Friends, if you want to speak truth into fake news, make sure you're speaking about Jesus. Not national symbols, not man-made documents, not kingdoms of this world of any kind. Jesus. Speak Jesus. Now, I recognize you're not going to remember all those words I just shared. So I want to make it a little bit easier for you. Here they are. Delay, survey, pray, and then convey the way. You remember what Jesus said? He's not just the truth, he's the way. I don't know if you know this, but, but Christians were not called Christians from day one. In fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 24, Christians were said to belong to the way. So delay, survey, pray, and then convey the way. One more time, say it with me. Delay, survey, pray and then convey the way. Friends, I, I pray, I pray that when that which is fake, when that which is false, when that which is dishonest or, or in any other way a lie enters our periphery as Christians, that we would remember those six words. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know where this virus started. We don't know how it started. We don't know why it started. And we don't know when it will end. It's, it's all guesses. It's all hearsay. So let's not give ourselves over to be tossed to and fro by every wind of teaching. We need to drop our anchor right now in who Jesus is and the salvation that he brings. Because his kingdom is not of our world. And it's in his kingdom that we put our hope. And so friends, I pray that today's message 
might have blessed you in some way. I, I really believe the Holy Spirit used uh, this week for me. And so I thank the Holy Spirit for giving me words to speak this morning. I, I hope that I, I honored uh, his spirit in my life. If you are tired, if you're tired of all the confusion and the helplessness that is in our world right now, friends, I want you to know that Jesus offers us peace. He offers us peace from all this turmoil. When we are in Christ, he calls us to cast our burdens onto him. Jesus wants to bear your burdens, whatever they are. He, he wants to give you rest. And so ask yourself, if, if peace and, and rest seem like something that you need right now, then he invites you. He invites you to come and to be saved, saved for all eternity. Jesus wants you, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, I don't care. He doesn't either. He wants you. And if you want Jesus, he knocks. He just says, open the door. Friends, I want to invite you to him. I want to invite you to email us at questions at lakemercedchurch.com. Email us at questions at lakemercedchurch.com. We'd love to help you rest in his grace, rest in his mercy. Would you do that, my friends? God bless you. Have a great week. I hope you're blessed by this week.